They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa, one of the many shows trying to give you a distraction during the living hellfire that we're living in right now. Um, Before I get to my two returning very special guests today, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons, which have increased significantly in the past couple of weeks. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chitman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, and Little Nikki. Every single one of you, thank you so much. I would do this for free in a heartbeat all day long and will continue doing it. Having patrons isn't what's making me keep doing this, but I will say that every moment I spend away from my family doing something that doesn't make us money is a moment that I should be with my family. So this wonderful therapy session that I do with myself talking to all of these great people and geeking out and you guys listening to it is great, but you guys recognizing that Um, Time isn't free um, and giving me a little bit of a boost to want to continue doing it um, just means a lot. My newest patrons, I'd also like to thank. They're Andrew Krause, Seth Comfort, Little Nikki, Rita Peterson, Adam Stewart, Jessica Luker, Alana Navis, Ryan Cashmere, and Mike Ellison. Thank you guys so much. And this show, like a lot of my shows, is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. Seth Decker and all of his crazy friends. I've been on the show. Um, I'm forgetting names of everyone, so I apologize, guys. There's a lot of you. Um, They get together and they fix films and not necessarily always just films that they don't like. They get a guest on that has a different bent or a different idea that either could have made a movie better or just make a movie be different. And they analyze and they always make sure they talk about the good points of a film and the bad points of a film or the points they want to fix. So check out the Film Rescue Show anywhere you can find podcasts. And with that, Today, I'm welcoming back Stefan and Kyle, who you guys would have heard um, discussing Armageddon and Deep Impact. Um, we are kind of getting this little niche when, when these guys come on, where we talk about a couple of movies that either came out near each other or just came out over time that are similar in impact or similar in theme. And today, we, ha- we have one for you. Um, we are going to be discussing the just, I think it was last year or the year before, I think it was last year, Sam Mendes' World War I epic 1917 and Steven Spielberg's late 90s World War II epic Saving Private Ryan. Um, and so with that, I'll just get right into it. Let Stefan and Kyle reintroduce themselves. And Stefan is going to take the introduction to 1917 and talk about the good points of that film. Here we go, sir. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm Stefan and you can uh, follow me on Twitter, I'm Scream Forever One. I follow uh, whatever whatever Chris does, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty close to being a, a patron myself, as you know. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Again, yeah. it's not required, but it's very. Appreciated. I know. <laughs> yeah, I've never never done it for anyone, you know. But if it'd be anybody, it'd be you or uh, Steffi from Diva Dailies. Oh, whenever she starts good. one, <laughs> yeah, you you both are so wonderful to me. Wonderful to me. Um, yeah, so 1917, yeah, it premiered in December of last year, which, my God, just doesn't feel like 
an eternity ago. That's why I couldn't get it right. <laughs> no. uh, you know, it's like it, to me, it's like this movie came out five years ago, right? Oh no, five years no. ago was February. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. So it premiered on Christmas Day in the U.S. It premiered three weeks before then in uh, London, and then the rest of the U.K. on January tenth. And uh, it it tells a story of it takes place on April 6th, 1917, and a few days thereafter. Uh, it tells a story of a unit, uh, a British unit, w- which sends two of its uh, of its men uh, over uh, through over the front line to deliver a message to another unit to call off an attack that it will be futile and that your men will all die. And we follow the two soldiers on their journey there. And I describe it as a journey because it really, the movie is a journey in so many ways. This is, this movie is visual. Let me say that. I forgot the other day watching it that you see you know when you know everything happening in the background like when they're leaving their unit you see like what the other men are doing in the background they're like you know talking to each other playing cards and it's one of those movies that you need to see more than once i feel like to catch all the the um idiosyncrasies in the background uh and yeah and it's it's just you really you feel like you're there. I love I mean, I love movies that do the whole uh, the continuous shot. As Kyle well knows, one of my favorite movies of all time is Children of Men. Oh, yes. oh God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We should talk about that next time you're on a single podcast. I adore that fucking movie. Same. So, <laughs> so underrated and pretty, pretty prophetic when you think about it. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it incorporates, yeah, the, the single shot, the single loop, and it wasn't deliberately done. I mean, they, you know, had to splice it, but it looks, I mean, it's, it's convincing. And there's only one cutaway in the whole movie, one edit, well, one like obvious, one obvious edit. Yeah. No, the, the, um, the people would say gimmick, um, which I don't, it's definitely not a gimmick here, but the gimmick of this, you know, very few directors have attempted this. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, Children of Men has a scene, you know, that director, Quaron, is obsessed with his long continuous shots and he yes. builds special camera rigs. But I don't think in the current cinematic environment there's been someone who's tried this. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock did it with rope. You know, a few other people have done it, you know, mm-hmm. where you find obvious places to cut that won't look like cuts. Um, right. to make your whole movie seem but even this movie from what i read it's something like it's only like seven or eight still continuous shots that make this whole movie that it's a two-hour long movie that's right. longer Incredible. than most movies like they get applauded for continuous shots single shots mm-hmm. you know what i mean like th- this this it people go oh it's cheap it's just cuts it's not cheap could you act could you act with that many actors? I mean, there's very little, I mean, obviously any war movie nowadays, you need a lot of digital effects to pull them off, but everything going on feels like it's happening and you're in the middle of it. 
Yes. Yes. I didn't mean to take it away from you. Sorry. No, no, please. Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, what makes this movie too, is the amazing lead performance from, from, uh, uh, from George McKay. Oh, Will, Will Schofield. He has, and I didn't realize this the other day. Do you know what the term thousand yards stare? Yes. He employs it at many points in the movie and you just really feel like, I mean, you can see him and we know he's been through shit um, when he, you know, from what we see, but even beforehand, you can just tell. And, you know, when I watched this the other day with Jesse, we were just talking about how, like, you know, we would not last long in an environment like this. And you know, it's kind of amazing anybody did, really. Uh, and can I just say also, you know, hallelujah, finally, for a movie on this of this caliber being about World War One. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, b- b- without jumping into Saving Private Ryan yet, just to talk about the the comparison, the parallel between World War One and World War Two movies, World War Two when you the type of destruction and death that happened in world war two it's like taking world war one to world war two is like doing the slow zombie versus the fast zombie in horror movies right world war one it's like there's a hell of a lot more waiting to die in world war one right like the escape and the movement across no man's land in this it's like the guy's under constant gunfire but he's under constant world war one gunfire so it's fire, yeah. reload, fire, reload, fire, reload. So it's like a slow, like as soon as this guy's a good enough shot, I'm fucked. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, but I love that more dread of no human being should have been able to survive this. But I guess in a World War One movie, it's a lot more believable that they could. Like luck just seems a lot more reasonable when yeah. movement of war is so much slower. <laughs> you know, I guess is is kind of one way to put it yeah absolutely i mean i also just have to add i mean world war one like you said compared to uh, world war two you know the opening uh well before i go into saving private ryan but you know d-day and normandy you know when the um allies arrive on the beach just that scene in saving private ryan where the machine gun goes off and um you know it's just that compared to world war one is just huge yeah yeah and World War One, I, I always associate just with like dread and like just just like just dirt and mud. And this movie does a great job at that aesthetic. Oh, when yeah. they are in, when they are in the abandoned unit, oh. that felt like that felt like something out of a horror movie. And Kyle, um, we I'm pretty sure we. Yeah, we both jumped, right? The first, I mean, we didn't see this movie together the first time, but we both jumped at the part where the rat sets off the tripwire. Yes. Oh, yes. Did yes. you jump at that, Chris? Did you jump? The, I I have a big problem with claustrophobia. Yeah. And just being in there anyway was really horrifying to me. Yeah. The sound design after that bomb goes off of the place yeah. collapsing around them broke me. Like I, I, yeah. I was hyperventilating. I couldn't, mm-hmm. it's just such a well done moment. Like it, it mm-hmm. that this movie had 
very many because again you know um and, and i'll i'll get into my part but you know this movie just had so many great moments it's like a instead of it feeling like a war movie it almost feels like a like a very enclosed quick fantasy adventure movie you know it's like what if bringing the ring to mordor and lord of the rings was literally a 10 hour exercise across a war field and this movie does so much with the character development of our two main characters until there's only one which which I'll, I'll get into that through that time period it, it does so much legwork with i've never seen a continuous shot movie feel so authentic right. you know what i mean as as this one did right um, and it really impressed me and Chris, I love how you, you reference the Lord of the Rings. One scene I want to touch on is when uh, when Will finally arrives at the unit oh, he's supposed to, God. and they're like singing in the forest like that, and he just kind of walks up. Okay, first of all, Jesse pointed this out. Though that unit really had their guard down, that they didn't notice that some outsider was just walking in. Or right. else they were so enthralled with what was going on. And he just like, just how he walks in and, you know, he's like, like, it feels so serene. Like it felt like stepping into another movie almost at that part. Well, and that's, you know, to me, that represented the fact that was like the playing on the Titanic, right? This is a platoon that's basically accepting whether they know it or not, that they're getting together almost like religiously to accept the fact that they're done. Yeah. Even if they don't know it, it's like it's like one calm before the storm kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a one. You're right. It's like he's walking through a still frame. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, you know the other, and let's touch on the score of this movie too. Oh, how <laughs> just how, yeah. am- how amazing it is! Like like they like they've incorporate like drums, you know, and it's just like that you know music i I believe music is kind of the do or die of most movies could you imagine your favorite movies like having different music or no music at all well right it's um and 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 movies that are able to utilize the music to elevate like some movies are only good because of the music and i don't mean that to take away from the movie but like you could say there's some where you could remove it from and then the movie is just terrible or some Mm -hmm. you can remove it from and it's it's like a harmony you didn't know it was missing. You know what I mean? Um, right. This movie is definitely like that. It definitely wouldn't ruin the film, but it elevates the film so much. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah for sure. John Williams. John Williams is a big perpetrator of this. And, you know, people say a score that intentionally tugs on your heartstrings is, you know, just as bad as like a jump scare. And I go, well, you know, it's all there for a reason. If utilized properly, mm-hmm. that's what cinema is. Cinema is not um a single sense medium nor is it a medium that shouldn't also be made for people that can't hear or you know can't but like music definitely helps even just the vibrations of the music help Mm -hmm. move the tone and pace of the scene and in a movie like this which is you know it's world war one it's a lot of dread it's a lot of slow build to stuff the music gives you this feeling of dread the entire time it barely ever lets up and lets anything be happy or serene it's it's brutal um yeah but with the but exception also, of, go ahead with the exception of you know basically the the scene i just mentioned and then the end and i i also love um 
the and I'll let you talk about this, but the large quantity of like we we hired not two no names but two way lesser known actors for the leads in this walking mm-hmm. through a sea of great actors in tiny little roles and i love yeah. how they didn't yeah they weren't stunt cast either outside of the cumberbatch one which is just perfect because he basically tells the guy i don't care what you just went through fuck off <laughs> you know right. what i mean it was kind of like oh my god <laughs> right and then colin firth of course on the other yep. and yeah. yeah, it was just, it was so wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, um, the, I'm a big fan of movie trailers yep. and this movie had an amazing trailer. I remember. And I'm just like, I remember thinking, you know, Kyle, we have to see this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it did not disappoint. A lot of movies <laughs> disappoint after their trailers. This movie did not. Absolutely. Like where that. it's like where he's running into the battlefield and you know he's you know getting bombs left and right. And oh my god, can we mention and Jesse and I mentioned this when we watched it the other day, the stamina of Will when he's just like running through. I just it, it's it's like Wonder Woman move over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like and, I mean, oh, technically you know, okay. I keep forgetting Wonder Woman technically is a World War 1 movie. So we have had yes. a big one but but it's a little more like like and I don't want to say backstory or, you know, like behind, but you know what I mean? No, like Wonder Woman has an incredible No Man's Land sequence. Like, oh God, yeah, that, yes. But, but this movie, and again, that's a great hero moment. This, but, but it's utilized to show how much of a badass she is. This movie feels like you're sitting there. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And I cannot imagine acting in this movie because they built world war one like these sets are giant like i've seen Mm -hmm. pictures of them they don't make movies like this anymore you you know what i mean like even saving private ryan when we get to that that was a huge undertaking like they built entire war zones for that movie and it it doesn't happen as much i mean wonder woman was mostly blue screen and cgi it still looked great but you know Mm -hmm. that's how they do movies like that but i love that that the big um final shot um action shot of the movie where he has to get go back into the gunfire to make it to the general and he comes out as the soldiers of the first wave are running into battle yeah that is probably the most beautiful shot i've ever seen in a war movie and Mm -hmm. it was the first take and they used it, even though the soldiers bumping into him and everything were yes, supposed to I was, happen. I was going to say that, how, like, authentic. And they that, all stayed yeah, in character. It, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the DiCaprio thing in um, uh, uh, Django Unchained. Did, did you hear about that? I have not. I have not seen have that movie, seen? actually. Okay, I've well, not. without without blowing it, it, it's a wonderful movie, but it's very hard. Um, yeah. I don't know if if i had watched hateful eight first i don't know if i would go and watch django because hateful eight is just such a vile crappy deplorable nasty movie and mm-hmm. i love tarantino and i just couldn't stand it that i don't think i'd be able to take django which is a bit more of a fantasy um th- than hateful eight but uh dicaprio has this scene where he's very much intimidating during a dinner party and he mm-hmm. smashes his hand down on the table and smashes a glass. It wasn't supposed to happen. He cuts his hand and is bleeding and then goes over to this woman that he's intimidating and like put 
puts his hand on the side of her head and it's his real blood and she is genuinely terrified and he is genuinely intense and they kept the scene in the movie and it's just amazing to me that this guy could have you know he could have been bleeding to death and he just st- stuck with the damn character and went with it and yeah that's kind of scary and he should probably get some help but it's amazing how authentic. I mean, he won an Oscar for that movie, I'm pretty sure, or at least was nominated. So it, it you know, and I love when you can get shots like that in a movie where an actor should have been worried for their safety. Like these are guys running out with real bayonets, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he bumps into them. I mean, someone could have died right there, <laughs> right. right? And he just keeps going. And I, I just find it amazing. Yeah, I have heard of that from Django Unchained. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why I haven't seen that movie yet. Yeah. It's it's it, it's a great movie. Um, and just looking look, looking back on it, where my brain thinks Tarantino is now, it just it's a lot harder to take a uh, a, a white guy making a movie with the N word in it that much. No, no matter if it was authentic or not, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, Django Unchained was amazing. Um, it, I loved that movie. It, and its tone is very much speaking of war movies like um, *Inglorious Bastards*. It went with that. Yeah, this is history, but also with a very fanciful bent, and I love that about it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, 1917. Sorry, Stefan. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah, and you know, a couple. Uh, as much as I love this movie, it does disappoint me to learn that some of it was like not historically accurate. Um, yes. For instance, one one thing I love that I threw in was that was that there was uh, a Sikh soldier in the one unit that that comes across him at mm-hmm. that one scene. And in reality, uh, Sikhs would have served in their own regiments in the of the British uh. Indian Army. Yeah, um, starting in 1915 and beyond, um, and. Uh, the um just how yeah like the the they claimed the picture of war was misleading how uh you know the the response of 1600 men walking out to their deaths would have been would have never warranted a mission like this basically yeah i know this this definitely comes down to as a viewer how much you're willing to suspend your disbelief that that general's order is really an empathy and an emotive emotional order and not necessarily an order that a normal general under normal instruction would do. This feels like a rebellious order more than it feels Uh to me, more than it feels like something that would come down from the top. For sure. You know, and, and there is, you know, I just realized how this, how similar this is to saving private Ryan. Cause it yes. is about you know, a mission. The, the basic plot is like, you know, a mission to deliver a message. And, yep. and it turns even more so into that when he has to, when will has to, uh, you know, bring the message to, uh, to Tom's brother. Oh God. In the end. So it does, it does kind of, uh, reach on that and i'm really glad that that this did uh that they did kind of have like the happy ending i thought they weren't going to go there yeah and it earned it i feel like mm-hmm. some movies would have this happy ending and you'd go it didn't need that but i feel like 
the movie's focus is how much this guy had to go through. Like the, when he makes that decision to continue on after the friend who's, you know, he's just the tag along, right? After he yeah. makes that decision to continue on despite the death of his friend, he deserves that happy ending. Even if the happy ending is false, like he, he, he deserves it, you know, at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, no, that's great. So then we move to Kyle. Kyle, t- tell the people who you are again and tell us about Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Hi. Awesome. I'm so excited about this. Um, thank you again. My name is Kyle Arndt and um, I have an Instagram account at current three. Um, uh, at current three. So like, of course, the first letter is K and then my last name, A-R-N-D-T. Um, and it's on Instagram. I'm a photographer. So I post photos and stuff on that. Um, so it'd be great if you'd want to follow me on that. Um, I'm also on Facebook. But um, yeah, once again, just to uh, talk about 19-something a little bit more, real quick, um, I absolutely love the movie, and I loved um, what Stefan said about it. Also, just the comparison as well about them being similar and kind of like a, like a mission. Um, whereas Saving Private Ryan, we have uh, the mission to bring a message to uh, Ryan. Um, and maybe kind of uh, kind of like a rescue mission to extend, to bring him out of there. Um, and in, in 1917, we have the rescue mission, and it's an idea of uh, stopping an attack that would have uh, annihilated perhaps 1,600 men to battalions. And I thought that that was a very cool comparison um, to extend in that way. Um, and I, I just loved 1917. Like I, I loved Stefan's um, recap about how it was a journey. Um, and it's, yeah, that's an amazing explanation of that movie as well. But uh, talking about Saving Private Ryan here, um, I did a lot of research. I give credit to imbb.com, once again, um, for most of my research. And <clears throat> so Saving Private Ryan here, um, it came out in multiple different languages. Um, among them, like, those languages was English, French, and German, um, along with... Um, it had a budget of $70 million opening weekend in the USA, in, on, uh, which was July 26, 1998. It um, grossed $30,576,104, and it... Uh, cumulative worldwide gross of $482,349,603. Um, it ran 169 minutes. Um, uh, it's color is set in a color. And let's see. Company credits, production co, DreamWorks, Paramount Pictures, Album Entertainment, among others. Um, but mainly, uh, so it won five Oscars as well. And let's see. So it won Best Director, and Steven Spielberg is the director, of course, of Sam Private Ryan. It won Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, as well as Best Effects, Sounds Affecting Editing. 
Uh, I was nominated also for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Lean Role, Tom Hanks. Uh, writing screenplay ran directly for this. Best Art Direction, Set Directoration, um, or Decoration, sorry. Best Makeup as well as Best Music um, by John Williams. Okay, so this was a pretty epic movie. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about Saving Private Ryan here. And um, Kyle, I just really want to quickly say that all of the awards, um, 1917 won or was nominated for pretty much all of the same. Another similarity. Yeah. Yes, I, I also feel like Private Ryan was robbed of Best Picture. Um, yes, not that I think Shakespeare in Love, right? Not a bad uh, movie. Yeah, and but what uh, the hell? <laughs> interesting, interesting you should bring that up. Um, I was going to mention this, but since you did already um you can thank uh the asshole harvey weinstein for yeah. doing that that he campaigned and based and pressured the committee to uh to give it to shakespeare and love which i finally saw that whole movie like a year ago and holy crap it is not like a best picture <laughs> Yeah, no, it's and it's not a bad film. It's it's no. it's a fun little light, silly movie, and it's very but well made. compared to Saving it, Private Ryan. Really, it's a slap in the face. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and um, and nineteen, you know, and nineteen seventeen. I mean, you know, Parasite is an amazing film. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And I'm sorry to my colleague and friend Evan, uh, who is obsessed with Parasite and showed it to me. Um. And had maybe his digital copy of it. Um, I just thought 1917 was a more ambitious film. And, you know, it just, yeah, it just should have won. Now, c- correct me if I'm wrong. Roger Deakins got his Oscar for, for 17, right? Because that man was long overdue. For director? Or <laughs> no, for, um, cinematography. Oh, yes. Yeah, he did. Oh. Yes. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. because if anything, if that didn't win, that's that's when you know, yeah, <laughs> that's when you just throw it all out the window. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that that's another another similarity that they have. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, you know, they're both about 1917 about World War One, and the same Private Ryan about World War Two. You know. Um, both epic movies and Saving Private Ryan was amazing. I thought I thought 1917 was amazing as well. Um, and but uh, also about Saving Private Ryan is a really great movie. I watched it uh, multiple times, especially recently, and I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, after doing research about it, uh, I remember also back to when there was controversy over it. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the controversy over his historical accuracy versus, yep. okay, mm-hmm. right, absolutely, awesome, uh, versus Steven Spielberg's uh, also major um, discussion about how he was going for more of a, a reality of warfare, uh, more of the ghastliness of it and not the glorification of it. And I think, as opposed to necessarily all the historical accuracies of it, that weren't necessarily accurate in many aspects, but uh, we see, you know, the ghastliness of World War II when, of course, you know, opening scene, we see the aged Matt Damon um, or Ryan walking, and then it goes into uh, the opening scene of uh, 
Normandy and D-Day um, and the invasion. Um, I guess that's not the opening scene. The opening scene is Matt Damon walking to the um, uh, to uh, uh, graves. You know, right, right. To walking to the graves, right? right. But, uh, you know, but then we have Normandy as the next scene and uh, the ghastliness of the warfare that we see there. It's not a revocation of it. We definitely see the reality of it. And I think for a younger generations, um, it really affected them, I think, who watched the movie, at least certain parts, certain people or a certain number of that generation, um, you know, saw that movie and uh, their aspect of warfare changed, I think, or was affected by it. Um, the people who really, really conceptualized the reality of warfare through that movie, at least to, to the extent possible, you know, uh, it wasn't a glorification of warfare, it was really the reality of warfare. Um, let's talk about um, the cast as well. Um, so Vin Diesel... Um, was cast in this movie. Um, I always forget he was in it. Yeah, he's awesome. He's so good in this. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Vin Diesel is, you know, such a different, you know, he says, such a different role that he played. And he did an amazing job at it um, compared to more of the more recent films, you know, that he's done. Uh, when he's gotten typecast. Right, right, exactly. We should um, just go back and, and just edit in Groot for him in this movie. That would be hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so we also see, um, I mean, you know, Matt Damon has aged very well. Um, we see the younger Matt Damon uh, when he comes out as Pirate Ryan. Um and then, you know, of course, the more recent Matt Damon, uh, which we were, uh, who was in the Bourne movies and stuff like that. And uh, but we see uh, the younger Matt Damon as well as um, uh, Tom Hanks as the younger. We see a younger Tom Hanks than we do uh, when we've seen him more recently in perhaps Captain Phillips or um, Sully or other movies that he's done more recently. Um uh, we see how much he's aged as well, which is really interesting in uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, that movie. Um, but I mean, you know. Um... And I just want to add that, you know, when I first pitched this idea of doing this episode to Kyle, he wanted to do 1917. And I was oh. taken aback by that. I'm like, really? Because. I mean, I know you love both movies, but you love Saving Private Ryan, and Tom Hanks is like your favorite actor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What? No. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, it's here. So, yeah, we have some. Great actors, and they're cast very well, I think. But let's talk further about the whole mission. The movie is called Saving Pirate Ryan, and then I think the cumulative and total mission was about Saving Pirate Ryan, and the movie was about the success of it at the end, 
ultimately we have saving private ryan be saved um at the very end he you know him and tom hanks um our tom hanks says never be two feet apart of me that's what you're you know uh, Matt Damon goes, where, where, where am I in this? You know, and all this, you know, Matt Damon and Tom Hanks goes, never two feet away from me, basically. And um, at the end, um, we see Saving Private Ryan fulfilled. We we see Ryan saved. And then the ending scene is with him as the older man again um, in front of uh, Tom Hanks' grave at Arlington. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, um, I think one of the one of the other points about Stephen Private Ryan is that we have these few different scenes scattered throughout the movie where we have the emotional parts of the characters come out. Uh, at the very uh, beginning, um, in the scene of uh, or the part of the movie where we have a D-Day. Um, when they towards the end of that part, we see um, one of the actors break down and start crying after he, he gets uh, a, a Hitler a knife or authentic knife. I, I forgot the name of that actor. Um, it's in here, but um, he breaks down. And we also see um, Tom Hanks break down later a couple times. Um, uh, but I think another interesting, intriguing part was that we see Tom Hanks' hands are shaking towards the middle of the movie. And, it, you know, it, it, it shakes. And we don't really get a reason for it, uh, Chisun. Um, you know, um, he's asked about it. Uh, and uh, we don't see it. But uh, the very interesting part is that it zooms in on his hand. When Tom Hanks dies, at the very end, um, it shows us there's a scene that shows his hand right after he dies, and it's not shaking anymore. It's still, and yeah, and you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I mean? and so we see those, uh, um, just those subtle, not subtle, but very impactful, um, scenes throughout the movie where, uh, it's just very, very moving, um, and it's very insightful, um. Historically, so historically, uh, to my knowledge and to my research, um, based on my research, I found that there was historically accurately uh, a team of rangers that did follow up behind the uh, main wave, the first wave, I think, um, in, onto the beach in Omaha. Um, and also, like, I think it's just amazing that... Um, I love the part that these team of soldiers were rangers. Uh, it just added to the movie that it, it made it more engaging and more uh, realistic. You know what I mean? Um, the narrative of the story is awesome, I think. Um, and I, I just love the storyline. Um, and uh, I, once again, I give credit to IMDb about this research. Uh, once again, the uh, the critics complaining about the accuracy of it and how realistic it was versus Steven Spielberg's mission to make it more ghastly and um, pronounce that a lot more, emphasize that. Um, 
there were some goofs as well, though. Um, let's see here. For instance, the two German soldiers who were shot, are shot trying to surrender at the very beginning were speaking uh, such. They were saying, please don't shoot me. I'm not German. I am such. I didn't kill anyone. I am such. They were members of what Germans called Ost or East Battalions, men mostly such and Polish, uh, taken prisoner in Eastern European countries, invaded by Germany and forced into the German army. And um, I remember that, that that scene happened at the beginning, of course, and um, uh, the, the narration, or the, what should I say, the quotes were, what was he saying? And um, I forgot the name of the actor again, but um, he said, oh, Luke, I washed for dinner. That's basically what he claimed the two German soldiers were saying when that was not the case. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. Um, oh, another interesting thing about Saving Private Ryan was that uh, so the the sets were huge. The, the opening scene. Um, no, I keep saying opening scene. Ah, the 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 D Day scene. Um, so they had a thousand extra. They used one thousand extras in that scene or in that for that part of the movie. And um, another interesting interesting thing is that they used people who were missing limbs. They had amputees um, for the shots where to say the arm got blown off of that uh, one guy and he was looking for um, his arm. So that was actual where he didn't actually have an arm. He was actually a person who didn't have an arm and he was reaching for that arm that he found. Um, they used uh, other people who were missing limbs and stuff for those scenes. Um, I found that very interesting, and that um, that scene cost eleven million dollars to shoot itself. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, that was yeah. Wow, um, that was a great, you know, great, oh, great scene. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, but I think I mean. There are some other goofs, of course. Uh, I'm sure Chris and Stefan, you guys can continue to discuss it as well about the historical accuracies versus the, you know, how historically accurate versus how non-historical accurate, you know, it was. But um, yeah, there are some goofs just based off of the accuracy of historical accuracy of it. But uh, that's what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, I think those are my thoughts about Cold War, uh, same Private Ryan and Cold War 2, and guys, too. Um, yeah, that's what I had to say about, about same Private Ryan, I guess. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And again, you know, it, it's amazing the more you talk about them, how similar these movies actually are. Um, and it's, it, it would be wrong to say, that the point of this discussion is to decide which one's better because these are both incredible depictions of the war that they're trying to depict and the people that they're trying to depict. Uh, a couple of things about Saving Private Ryan before I drive back around. Um, both of my grandfathers were in uh, World War II and neither one mm -hmm. of them talked about it. Um, one of them was in the Pacific and the other one was um, in Germany uh, on the ground in France and Germany. And I never got to really talk to either of them. They were 
well, one of one of my grandfathers died before this movie came out, and the other one um, went and saw it. But uh, he still, it was a very hard thing for him to talk about. But a thing I remember, this is one of the first R-rated movies I had seen in a movie theater. Same. Um, I, I think I think it was the first. It was either that or there's something about Mary, were the yeah. first one. And, <laughs> yeah. And my 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 brother took me to see it. And we were in a theater and it was a daytime show. So it was filled with a bunch of old war vets mm-hmm. that obviously oh. had either witnessed or knew. And I don't know if you guys remember at the time, but war vets were basically having breakdowns. Yeah, they're like right, running out of the theater. I remember hearing and about that. Yeah, I looked back and the guys that were in the theater in my screening had their hats on their chest and were sobbing. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to them after they said, you know, cause a lot of people, oh, this, this weapon was inaccurate or this bomb wouldn't have worked that way. And they said, what I remember the big thing on all the news was guys saying, I was never able to tell my family. I could never say the words of what D-Day was like. And again, most of the survivors of D-Day were the next wave, right? The guys that came and cleaned up after it. Um, yeah. But they said, I have not seen anything that depicted what that war was like more realistically than this movie. And mm-hmm. they said, now I don't have to relive it. I don't have to find the words. I can just go to my family. It's basically like having a whole movie to show them of what I went through. And then we could just look at each other and experience it together because I couldn't find the words. And I have something similar to that with um, uh, an episode of black mirror. You watch oh, that show. Jesus. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. The, the white, the white rabbit episode. Oh, when I, when no. I was, when I was in, um, and Kyle, Kyle knows about this. I've showed it to him when I was in, uh, my, uh, f- uh, fever, you know, well, what do you, what do you, and, and this term has come up with COVID because the uh, COVID, um, COVID sufferers are experiencing it when they're in the hospital, like the hospital hallucinations, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. I had that, uh, in 2006 when I, when I almost died yeah. and it was very much like that episode of white mirror. Well, what I went through was very frighteningly similar and oh, it's cool that it's cool to have that now to show people to be like, this is what was what it felt like. This is what I went through. Well, thank you for sharing that. Cause that, that episode fucked me up bad and I had nothing yeah. in my life to compare it to. So mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm so sorry you had to live through that, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so, um, you know, so private Ryan, I mean, th- this, that this is the quintessential, war movie of the new generation right they there hasn't really been a war movie made until really i mean like flags of our fathers and letters for iwo jima were big war movies and wind talkers and there's there's been a bunch of the thin red line um there's been things that have come but 1917 really felt like the next one that was as big of a deal as far as history buffs and the amount of technical expertise and time being put into making it look right um one of the big differences and similarities I see is that 1917 is telling a much more personal story. Um, Saving Private Ryan wants to be a big epic war movie and wants to tell a story about Saving Private Ryan. I love that when they get to Private Ryan, he's a dick. I love like that kind of pulling you out of 
no, we're here to do a job regardless of what we end up finding at the other end. It's not like, yeah, he still might be deserving of being saved and this message is deserving of being delivered, even if the guy himself doesn't really see how important that is at the time. I, I love the juxtaposition of reality and, you know, our heroes aren't really what we think they are and, you know, all that other stuff. But, you know, with all the death and all the suffering and all of the awfulness in Private Ryan, there's a scene in Private Ryan, the, the, the Nazi that stabs the guy. You know what I'm talking about when he's on his chest and he just is slowly telling him to shush and stabs him to death? That is yeah. more impactful and intense than anything that happens on Normandy Beach. Now, the Normandy Beach scene is this isn't just violence for violence sake. It's terrible. The use of amputees and stuff was absolutely brilliant. And that scene is almost done. It was one of the first movies to do like the whole shaky cam like making you feel like you're there kind of thing, which 1917 took and ran with and basically made the whole movie be done that way. So 1917 is like an extended slow version of the Normandy scene. And that's, that's the juxtaposition I've seen between these movies. Now, a, a negative, and this is a minor negative, but the only negative I can really come up with for 1917 is that it all seems a little too clean and clinical. And that's not a dig at the movie. That's to tell, pull off the technical achievement they're trying to pull off. They mm -hmm. can't have a whole lot of rough mess. You know, imagine doing a single shot movie in what was going on in Private Ryan. It would be damn near impossible to film. Um, but they really do pull it off. But because of that, 1917 is a bit bloodless was, was a word that I had. It's like it almost seems like it's not nasty enough for what was going on. But I will say... Because of that, when people did die, the scene where our main character, who you think is our main character, going to deliver the message to his brother, gets stabbed by that German soldier who dies who's in the plane crash. Oh, I know. I hate that. It's like so much for helping your enemy, right? And yeah. literally dies in real time on screen. And the how well that was done. Yes. Yes. Oh. I agree. Jesse and I felt the same, just how he gets more pale and pale. It's just, oh, yeah, I know. I don't want to know how they did that. I don't know if there were cuts involved or if it was done digitally, but I will say that I wept for that guy. I have not felt that. Like, I felt like I just watched a family member die. It felt so real. And he acted so much like I'd expect someone because in reality, you don't just get shot or stabbed and then die. You suffer. That's yeah. that's what happens. And he suffered and he was and his friend having to say, am I dying? Yeah. Yes, I think you are. It, it was just so heartbreaking. And, you know. I won't say it, it doesn't mean it makes it having a better death doesn't make it better than saving Private Ryan. But I just felt that death was so impactful because the movie gave us so much time to live with these guys and get to know them. And it there's so much desperation that you expect, OK, this is a hero's journey. These guys are going to make it. And then the guy who has to make it gets fucking killed. <sighs> It just it blew my mind that the movie had the gall to do that. Um, in the same way, you know, similarly to Parallel Saving Private Ryan, the way that movie was shot, you think the guy at the beginning is Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I honestly yeah. felt the guy in the graveyard was Hanks. 
and he's just like visiting the people from Normandy, you know, the, the, the unmarked graves or whatever. And then to get that turnaround that, no, it's Matt Damon visiting his grave was such, it's like, you don't kill Tom Hanks. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, they just killed Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's so true. But yeah, I mean, uh, to, to, you know, obviously we could talk forever and ever and ever, but to, to package the thing up for me, these are both brilliant examples of war movies. And we've had so many World War II movies and Private Ryan is still at the top of the pack as far as those are concerned to me. To have 1917 kind of jump into a genre where there isn't as much and just be light years ahead of anything like it was just so impressive to see. Um, it, it's great when you have brilliant technical directors and brilliant technical people and great actors show up. And it, I mean, the movie's a labor of love. War movies are not blockbusters. So they, they don't make bad money. But, you know, you think a movie today, if you told me I made a movie today and one scene cost $11 million, that better be a billion dollar take home. <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have more thoughts. I, I do eventually, I should get back to work soon, but um, I want to give you guys a chance to say more stuff because I'm just blown away by both of these and I rewatched both um, because of this and I just appreciate any excuse to watch both of these movies. They're wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this was not really, Kyle, I didn't feel like this was, uh, you know, a personal thing like Armageddon v. Deep Impact. But, right. um yeah, I I mean I can't really say which one is better. Right, right. It, it's just I mean they're 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 pretty equal. And they're very so different too. movies, even though they have very similar settings and things. Like like we said, you know, you take out move war into, you know, Middle Earth or move war into medieval times, you know, 1917 is it's it's just a journey movie you know what i mean and private ryan is too but private ryan also really wants to be a horror of war movie as well yeah and 1917 is definitely that but it's much more focused right mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely i mean i think both movies are very equal very equal they're both amazing movies and um yeah i think they're both just brilliantly done and um, I mean, in 1917, we we have on uh, some point some one of the like so the opening scene of 1917 we have um, we have the soldiers leaning on a tree. The main character, one of the main, of course, the lead actor who ends up being the lead actor after his friend dies, leaning up against a tree, and. Um, when uh when they're called to get up to go to the general um his friend helps them up and they both walk to the general and after the same kind of thing happens after they make it through the bunker they're on the ground um his friend picks them up helps them up and they're kind of in the same position and then at the very end the ending scene um, the lead actor is sitting up against the tree again. Um, yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's just stuff like that is so well done, brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, I just wanted to add that in, I guess, to um, reflecting on that. But yeah, both movies are very, very well done and very brilliant. So, yeah. Stefan, do you have uh, final thoughts on these? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I basically agree with everything Kyle said. I think they're both very, very amazing films that really, uh, um, Saving Private Ryan especially was snubbed by the Academy. And I actually read that the um, Academy members said in 2015 that if they could re-vote, they would have given Best Picture to Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, it's it, it's a damn shame also at how few times Steven Spielberg has won Best Director. And so yeah. when you re- the year you give it to him, he really should have got the movie too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is one of the best movies he made, um, it, oh, without yeah, a definitely. doubt. And, and that's a lot to say when you have a career like that guy has. But this this movie is... There aren't very many Spielberg movies like it. You know, yeah, it does kind of have the normal trappings of it's going to have a happy ending for some people and all that that he's known for. But this movie's a lot more gritty and realistic than than Spielberg usually goes for. He's much more mm-hmm. of a fantasy, elevated, you know, hyper-reality kind of a guy. Um, yeah. So it's always impressive when he comes out with a movie like this or Munich, which you just go, what the hell, man? Like Munich has such a mean streak and it needed it. I mean, uh, but that movie is brutal. <laughs> I've never seen it. Never oh seen God. It. Yeah. You ever want to see Spielberg angry about something mm. like it's like watching any, it would be like, it, it, it's kind of like watching um, uh, Schindler's list where you just go, yeah, this man does not like Nazis you, right. for, for an obvious reason. But like, you know, it, Munich, you know what it's about is just, it's such a, he he does he makes a wonderful revenge thriller movie without passing judgment on who was right and who was wrong and i think that's right. really cool you know cuz he could easily just be that oh yeah no the, the 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 way the jews took down these guys after they murdered their entire olympic team um was very justified and instead he goes yeah there's some scummy shit going on here like this isn't necessarily good and is it's very weird movie but I recommend it. But yeah, I guess th- that wraps up 1917 and Saving Private Ryan. Do you guys have obviously a chance for both um, Kyle and uh, Stefan? Tell people again where they can find you and give a shout out, whichever one of you wants to go first. Yeah, again, I'm I'm Stefan. You can find me on Twitter, Scream Forever One. Uh, I follow I follow Chris and everything that he does. He's wonderful. You are wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Everything you do. Yeah. Absolutely. Once again, my name is Kyle Arndt. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at current3 and also on Facebook. And um, yeah, I follow Chris now too. So that's, and he is, and he's uh, starting a new job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I'm starting a new job. I just got employed as a photographer for a studio. So um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Um, pretty Doing work in, in schools. Yes. Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't even think. I, I, it, it's just a crazy world out there right now. G- good luck, and I'm so glad that you found employment during this horrible, horrible time we're going through because that's few and far between for people, I can imagine. 
Yes. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, Stefan and Kyle, thank you both again, yet again, for shooting the shit with Chippa. And thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. For sure. Thank you. Thank you.